0: You're
1: tuning into in. In. TBD. TBD into TBD. TBD.
2: TBD to TBD. To be discussed.
0: To be discussed. To be discussed. To be discussed. To be discussed. Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast TBD To Be Discussed podcast, a podcast where we talk about things that we don't typically discuss, but we should. And this is your host May Wu, and this season we're focusing about all things love and it's our first experiences with love perceptions how we give and receive love and how that's progressed over time and i have two really amazing guests here with me today and i'm going to let them introduce themselves tell us who they are where they're from and what they do and i'm excited for
2: us to uh break down this topic
1: you want to go first Brian.
2: sure um hi i'm brenna or bren as you just heard tim and may will also (laughs) call me that um i'm from portland and i feel like i have a good grasp on the topic of love all things love is pertaining to friendships relationships family life um and yeah i've known may since college and tim since college as well so i am excited to talk about this stuff today
1: and hi how you guys doing my name's tim um i'm from southern california cerritos california to be specific um i'm also very interested in the topic of love and anything to do with psychology or relationships and just how people get along with one another i think that um everyone needs one another to survive and love is often the driving force behind relationships Succeeding or failing so i'm really interested about this conversation with May and Bren and I hope you guys enjoy it
0: I'm already getting like excited even before our conversation starts. So <laughs> um,
2: <laughs> um, And so how did you two uh, Meet each other Um, we met in college tim. I think so. Yeah, yeah, I think he's two years older than me. Um, so we met at portland state uh, I think I'm sure that we like, you know, met each other in passing my freshman year, but I think it was Mm -hmm. the summer or my sophomore year, summer going into sophomore year or my sophomore year, whenever the ice bucket ALS challenge was, (laughs) um, that's like how we met and became friends was because I needed someone to throw the bucket on me. And Tim was walking out of like our athletic center and I was like, Hey, can you do this? And then we just have been, you know, inseparable since then pretty much. That's awesome.
1: Yeah, there's no better way to connect with someone than throwing ice on them.
2: That breaks
0: the ice, (laughs) literally. 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 And you two say you guys talk about love and relationships and and through friendships and upbringing a lot. So I'm excited for you guys Mm -hmm. to kind of share a little bit of your conversations here with us. So what were your perceptions of love growing up?
1: You go first, Timmy. Okay, uh, my perceptions of love, I would say, largely centered around um, my parents. Um, I'm lucky enough to have grown up in a household with both parents there. I feel like they did um, everything they could to not only support me and my brother, but to show love to one another. So I was pretty privileged in terms of seeing what a what I would consider a functioning loving relationship in my household and I felt love from my parents often in forms of you know basic things like necessities and them just going out of their way to do things that aren't required of them but knew would bring me joy so I was pretty lucky from that standpoint and I think that that largely shaped how I see love in terms of relationships with me and someone else as far as friendships or intimate relationships, and it, it's kind of the basis from which I view all relationships, not just for myself, but for other people as well.
2: Yeah, I have, like, the complete opposite upbringing. Um, my parents, they were together uh, probably up until I was, like, like five maybe six um but it wasn't healthy you know it was always off and on my dad has a lot of issues I I really truly don't know him you know I haven't really seen him probably since I was like 10 so I don't remember ever seeing any type of love in my household except for the love that my mom gave to me and my brother so like as far as like a a, relationship foundation to sort of base off like what I think marriage is and what I think like an intimate relationship is I never saw that love so to me it sort of just like didn't exist or wasn't really possible I guess in a sense not like I never had hope for it but in my mind I was like it just isn't real I guess um but then like Tim said he felt so much love like from his parents as well I have such a special connection with my mom because of the way that I grew up with just a single mom and, and how she raised us. I share such like a deep love with her that is sort of just unspoken. We're not very um, affectionate as far as like speaking on it or like hugging, things like that. But we just deep down know that that love is so strong with each other. And I think that we've just spent so long together it just being us and my brother that we just built on that foundation throughout i mean through the last 20 years Hmm. do you think that shaped some
0: of your views uh on relationships like friendships and intimacy
2: based off of your your experiences growing up yeah for sure um i think tim can attest to this too obviously he's he's one of my best friends and may you probably know too i'm i'm very outgoing but i'm also extremely private Um, And I actually had one of my other best friends ask me a few months ago if I hold people at a distance on purpose and if I sort of just like shelter myself so I don't let anybody in, including my best friends. Mm -hmm. So I think that that sort of had an effect on that as far as friendships. Like, it's not that I'm meaning to hold people at bay. I just feel more comfortable that way. I, I don't know if that's, you know, trust issues or if I just feel like, I'm not worthy of the love or they're not worthy of like the little small amounts of love that I have to give. I don't really know what the issue is, but I think that I've worked through that as much as I can, you know, by myself, I guess, or with Tim's Mm -hmm. help Um, in order to still be a good friend, still show my friends love and receive their love. And then as far as relationships, I think, I think for a long time, I thought that like, A a good relationship just always had trauma or toxic toxic aspects Mm -hmm. or, like, it just wasn't very functional. So I found myself always placed in a relationship that was based off those things. That sort of, like, the love was the reaction to toxic things happening and not the, you know, like that love wasn't the first thing to happen. It was sort of just like an afterthought because, oh, we got in a fight. So now that's how I know that you love me. Cause we're talking about it after that's how I always thought of it. And then now obviously I'm in, you know, a healthy, happy, loving relationship.
1: And yay for that.
2: I <laughs> did some snaps. I wasn't Seriously. sure if you could hear that, but
0: just Jim, yeah. <laughs> what are your thoughts?
1: Um, For me, in terms of how I sh- um, look at love, as far as in, a friendship way or intimate way or what What do you um, um
0: Kind of perceptions, like your upbringing, uh, upbringing kind of shaped your, how you treat your friends or, or your significant others.
1: Mm. Um, yeah, I would say definitely. Um, having two parents in the household, you get two different personalities. And so for me, I had my own relationship with my mom and I have a separate relationship with my father Shout
2: um, uh, Big people. Tim.
1: Happy belated. <laughs> Shout out Big Tim. Yeah, happy belated. So um, I think that, and plus I have a brother, so having three people in the house and three different personalities, um, I learned how to, to find what people find important and focus on that. So I would say I definitely take that and carry that into all my relationships now is something that some people sometimes my closest friends get upset with me about because i tend to want to focus on all of their needs as opposed to my own so that's definitely something i learned growing up and not that it was intentional it's just how i it might be a personality thing i don't know it's just how i connect with people i want to know you know what's your deepest darkest secrets and how can I help you keep them? Or, you know, what can we do to make your life better? Why are you struggling? What's going on? And so one thing I do share with Brynn, I guess, despite growing up in a different household and with different circumstances, is that I also tend to keep people at bay. And just how she said, that's part of the way she grew up. And I feel like even though it's opposite, that also has to do with the way I grew up as well. My parents, aren't people who go out telling everyone about their business even their closest friends or whoever family and so I kind of keep my business also to myself in that aspect and so I mean I think that my upbringing and her upbringing are completely different in a lot of ways but for some reason we ended up in that same i guess pattern of action when it comes mm. to friendships so i don't intentionally push people away if anything i try to invite them in but for some reason i've always been a person who would much less focus on myself
2: yeah and tim, so, tim definitely i mean tim, tim and i all the time in our friend grouper something will happen. And Tim will be like, how did I miss this? Or I'll be like, how did we miss that? Like, we didn't see what was happening. And Tim and I will just look at each other and we'll be like, sorry, we were busy saving the day. Like, we both are the type of people that we're going to put the focus on, let me Mm -hmm. help you. Don't ask me how I'm doing. Because most of the time, 99% of the time, I'm good. Even if I'm not good, I'm gonna like handle it within myself, or handle it within like the one closest person to me. But I don't want, I don't need mm-hmm. everybody to be asking me how I am, how this situation is going. Right. Tim, for sure, is, like, my savior. Like, Tim has saved me in so many instances because of versa. that that trait of him. To where he puts everybody else ahead of himself in a way that I've never mm-hmm. seen before.
1: I would say the same about you, Brian. <laughs> Why we all love you.
2: Thanks, Timmy.
0: But
1: love you, too. A, thing, a lot of love. <laughs> you know, a like, lot of yes. love and,
0: and a lot of, like... like really great moments that you two have shared with each other and and have shown each other that you can trust the other person, right? Where it sounds like you can kind of focus on yourself with each other because it's like a safe space. Whereas maybe the way you grew up, it's like, oh, Mm -hmm. let's not talk about these private things. Um, So I love that aspect. And now I'm wondering how has your guys' self-respect, changed between maybe college, because I think college is when the first time we're really away from our families and we really look at ourselves as individuals, um, and how has that changed now that we're a little bit older and in our careers in different relationships? Go ahead, Timmy.
1: Um, self-respect. Uh, for me, I've always felt like I was a person who had self-respect. Um, And by self-respect, my definition, I know we all have different definitions of things, is just someone who won't compromise themselves or their integrity. Um, And so for me, that's always been an important part of me growing up. So I felt like I carried that with me when I went to college. But once I got to college, I learned that a lot of that self-respect had to do with me knowing that I had people behind me Mm -hmm. supporting it. Um, those people being my parents up until that point. And so it kind of turned into, I have to find my own way. Like you mentioned, you know, it's a time when you're finally able to express yourself how you want to express yourself without anyone else's input, so to speak. And So for me, um, in college, I would say I was a person who tried to Remain who I am for the most part. I didn't want to be changed by any outside forces. I can be a little stubborn at times Um, But I also wanted to (laughs) But I also wanted to kind of Be more open to growing at the same time. And so that was a weird balance for me to try to find and Now that I've moved on from college um, I feel like My self-respect has grown but it's also evolved into a different definition than I would have given it before. Um, I have enough respect for myself to now be more open to suggestions that people have, or more open with myself and my friends. Um, And knowing that just because someone else has a different, you know, view on relationships or something, so to speak, doesn't mean that me listening to them compromises who I am. If anything, it's either gonna strengthen my views on myself or evolve them into something greater than before. So for me, I've been blessed with beautiful, beautiful, beautiful friendships and relationships that have helped me to evolve that self-respect for myself, change my my view processes on a lot of things. So I'm grateful. I think that stubbornness though, is just come, comes from the fact of, being protective over my, um, my thoughts. I got a couple, uh, you know, I'm a bit rebellious in terms of if you say go left, just a part of me wants to go right. Just because you know, it's going to so, be
2: like, how can I go right and make it better?
1: Yeah. You know, so that, that's something I had to learn. Like your way is not always mm-hmm. the best way. Um, not just, you know, cause I feel like we hear people, but we don't listen. So I tried to do a lot more listening. Um, and that listening comes in a lot of different ways. The only way to really listen is to assume that you know nothing, which is something I got really good at in college.
0: And Bren, you said you were previously in some situations where like that could be seen as toxic or you thought that they were toxic. So how do you think the self-respect and, uh, has shifted, I guess, from maybe younger brand to current
2: yeah I think growing up I mean one just not you know being raised like with a dad I think that that has a lot of impact on girls you know you hear people Mm -hmm. oftentimes say daddy issues so I think that I sort of handled that in a way where I was always elementary school middle school high school even partly through college, I was like, no, I'm extremely strong and I know my boundaries and nobody's going to push me out of them. And basically mm-hmm. you're not going to fuck with me. I am untouchable. You're not going to mess with me because I'm going to hold strong. But then when I got to college, I realized that that wasn't really my, I think I lost a lot of self-respect because I think that, like I had said, in Tim can attest, it was definitely, I was in a very toxic situation for the majority of my college time. And while I thought that it was fun, I think that majority of the time of it, I knew that I wasn't respecting myself. I think that I was trying to find some sort of love that I knew didn't exist and that I knew wasn't there, but I was still searching for it because I wasn't really ready to fully respect myself in a way to where I had to make those tough choices to ultimately be like a better version of myself. I think with friendships and business wise and school wise, I've always been very, very strong in my boundaries. I don't, you know, push outside of my boundaries for anything. If I don't want to do something. I'm not going to do it. If I don't want to go to someone's dinner, I'm not going to go. And I'm going to tell you, I don't want to do this. And I don't need a reason why I just don't want to. But I think with, you know, intimate relationships, I lost that self respect for majority of college. And I think that probably like a year before I got into my current relationship was when I did a lot of like self reflection. And I just took a lot of time to really just be alone, be with myself and figure out how do I respect myself in a way that somebody else will respect me, you know, equal, equally, like I want to be someone's equal. I want to be like, you know, I want us to be on the same scale. I want us to be on the same page, same book, same genre, same everything. How do I get myself to that level? How do I elevate myself to that? And it just started with, I need to respect myself more. I need to respect my boundaries. And I need to respect, you know, my love and my emotions and my feelings. As a Pisces, I feel like, yes, we are very emotional. And I think that I tend to put on this hard outer shell. But realistically, I feel everything I feel everything like to the Mm -hmm. depths of my soul it's like mentally and physically draining and exhausting at times and for a long time in college I surrounded myself with people Mm -hmm. who just brought my energy down they just you know brought my energy down and I would be like why am I so tired like physically tired why do I feel like I need to take a nap every day now that I'm older I realize I can't surround myself with people who are taking away from my self-respect. I'm not respecting myself if I'm bringing negative energy into my life when I know it's only going to drain me and make me exhausted and make me not want to speak to people for five months. Mm -hmm. So I think I just did a lot of self-reflection, and Tim obviously helped a lot, you know, and my other best friends definitely helped a lot. And I just put myself in the best position possible to love myself so that somebody else could love me. And now I'm lucky enough to have someone who I feel is my complete equal in every way and respects me you know on the same amount that I respect. It myself. really resonated the uh the part where mm-hmm. you said you would put up like a
0: front, be like i everything's okay, it doesn't matter, like I'm good, but really, you feel everything right because of course, whatever is happening to mm-hmm. you or happening with somebody else, you feel all. the the vibes that you have like they give off and that's why you're so you could be Mm -hmm. exhausted or tired and and want to just like distance yourself from some things for months and so i thought that really resonates with me and um like part of my journey is i remember my friend juan was telling me you know our parents were growing up and figuring things out when we were kids but we looked at them like they were like the all-knowing and that they have it all figured out, but they were just trying to figure things out themselves. And that made me really reflect, um, mm-hmm. like I realized now that my mom struggled a lot with like past traumas and anxiety and, and depression. And she showed me affection, but it was like a, a survival. Uh, yes, it was, it was very survival tactic. and fear-based mm-hmm. kind of way of showing me love. And it was less of that um, affections and affirmations and like positive outlooks because she wasn't able to give that to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But back then I took it as, you know, how how can I get her to show me this love and affection that I'm yearning for? And so I realized I was constantly trying to seek that in her, but she wasn't capable of giving me that at mm-hmm. the time. And I know from the bottom of my heart that she loves me with like every vein in her body, but I realize that general, generational trauma can really affect
2: us. And yeah, Definitely. right. And so yeah. I'm curious, yeah. what are your guys' thoughts on, on generational trauma? Yeah, I mean, I think that I have a lot of experience with that. I think not just my own childhood trauma, but my mom also was raised without a dad. My grandma has been married four or five times, my grandma had a bunch of kids and my mom was the second oldest, but my oldest uncle was, had cerebral palsy. So he was in a wheelchair his whole life. So really she was helping raise the rest of her siblings. Um, and so I know, and I think now that, that we're older, my mom and I have such a a tight knit friendship that we talk a lot about her trauma and helping her get through that. And like, I mean, even the PTSD that she has from it and the anxiety that is now coming out, she's 62 and she's starting to realize Mm -hmm. her childhood trauma Mm -hmm. and the effect that it had on her and the way that that, you know, sort of manifested its way negatively into how I grew up as well. So I think she was never really, you know, hugged as a child or positive affirmations, like you said, May, because my grandma was busy. She had five, six kids. Like, she was busy. She was doing other things. She was trying to survive. And so my mom never got that. And so my mom raising me, and my brother, was just busy trying to survive, like you said, your mom. Like, it was the positive affirmations and things like that weren't you know, like in every second, every hour, Oh, I love you. You're doing so great type of thing. It was like, I'm showing up at your games because I know that you need me here. And I know that that's my way of connecting to you and giving you the love that you need. But I, I can't like, you know, I can't just express my love Mm -hmm. to you because it was never expressed to me. And I think that now she's, she's older and I'm older. We're able to have those conversations about that. And, you know, hopefully I'm able to break, you know, the generational trauma and hopefully my children won't feel that. I think that I try to hug my mom more now. I try to always tell her that I love her and, you know, tell her she's doing good, ask her if she needs help with certain things as far as like her emotional aspect. And so I hope that when I have children, I won't carry my childhood trauma and my mom's childhood trauma with me onto them. I hope that that I'm able now that I think mental health is a lot more talked about now and it's the stigma behind it is not nearly as negative as it used to be. And I think that that helps a lot of kids our age realize that our parents did have trauma when they were growing up and how it played into us. So I hope that our whole generation as a whole is able to take you know these learnings and able to not pass this on to the next generation.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. I would say Generational trauma for me is probably the number one or top five most important things to know about someone before you judge them or their actions. Because I feel like until you know what someone's been through, you can't necessarily um, speak on how they react to situations. And that's something that I had to learn because, um, like I said, I grew up in what most people would say is like a, a perfect scenario, you know, but my parents have their own trauma, each one individually. And with two parents comes two different life experiences. And so my father, I'll just use him as an example. He's a, the, you know, prototypical or stereotypical, I'm sorry, um, you know, big, tough, strong guy. Um, but a lot of that, you know, I got to see his personality more as I got older and I started to understand a little bit of the way that he loves is different. My mom grew up in a house where it was a lot more open, um, interactions and affection. Also her being a woman, they were, you know, a little more, um, likely to give her a hug or a kiss to show affection in my dad's house. That was the complete opposite um he didn't have his father and so for him that's traumatic and i can see that in the way that he fathers me and my brother both good and bad um a good aspect would be he's a person who would literally i have no doubt in my mind jump in front of a train for either one of us um what someone might pre- perceive as bad is that he's not an openly affectionate person not a lot of hugs and kisses or I love you's but like Bryn says she does with her mom as I get older I try to not push that on him but let him know that it's okay to say I love you you know and so I give him a lot of hugs and stuff like that because he's very emotional once you get to know him but he doesn't show that side of himself he's a funny goofy guy but his generational trauma doesn't allow him to express that with everyone. And I, found, and I find that that has a lot to do with myself, which is something I'm trying to break, which is I've inherited that trait of kind of keeping everyone at an arm's length, no matter how close they are to me. Um, and so being able to recognize that in myself, I make sure to open up more to brand and, some of our other friends, when they ask me questions, I'm still not at the point where I just all the time openly express, you know, that I'm in need of assistance. But um, I think with Brynn, I'm very comfortable doing that. She's been on the receiving end of plenty of calls for help for me. But that's a part of my personality that I know comes from my father mm. and his trauma. He was the man that I saw in my life and that's how he acted and that was my hero always has been still is to this day so I figured that's how I should act but I learned as I got older oh he's only doing that because he has some unresolved hurt in his life some things that he's never been able to express and so for me um being able to recognize that in him I can try to reverse that in myself and in him also um And so I think that, like I said, a lot of the way people act or behave has a a whole lot to do with how they were, you know, brought up, whether it's our parents, our grandparents or you, for example. So um, I think generational trauma is something that is very, very real. And I don't think that we take that into account when we interact with a person. And so, for myself, it's something that I try to learn as much about a person's background as possible because they'll express their trauma in ways that they don't even know is trauma. Like, for example, Bren was talking about how she thought the toxicity was normal and healthy, and at one point I remember her talking like that, you know, being like, "Well, you know, yeah, we fought, but such and such, yeah, we got an argument, but it's all good. He loves me." And in my mind, I'm like, uh, "I don't think that's love, Bren." Um, for myself, that process is always, it's a fine line. Um, I try to respect that 99 times out of a hundred, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. And so as far as people who are very close to me or people who I consider close to me, I always try to point out where they may or may not be right in a situation or where their trauma might be affecting affecting them, but it's always delicate because it's a person-to-person thing. Some people are ready for an upfront conversation. Brynn is a person who you can go to and say, hey, Brynn, you're not doing this right and she's not going to take it personally or she's there's not going to be a lot of you know pushback most often. Other friends are a lot more delicate. Their traumas are different. Their personality is different. So without just giving in to their, you know, need for this trauma to be expressed. You have to find times when they're most receptive to criticism and you have to present it in a way that they can best understand it without rejecting it. Because I feel like if you come at someone the wrong way too early, Mm -hmm. then you've lost them completely. And so I'm always on the cautious side of, You know, it is a trauma, so you have to treat it delicately. And most traumas we defend as part of ourselves and our personality. And so when you tell someone that that's not how they should be doing things, or maybe they should look at it a different way, we defend it as if we're defending ourselves, our likelihood. You're trying to destroy who I am as a person. And so it's a a difficult conversation, and it's not always a conversation. It's something that happens gradually over time. But I don't think that it's something that should be enabled within friends. It's just something that, if you love someone and you see something that they can improve on, then find how best they communicate and try to slowly ease them along to a better destination. Or if there's someone like Brand, who is more uh, you know receptive to an upfront mm-hmm. blunt is conversation. Is it different when that. it's
0: someone? a romantic partner and Glenn, and you can also jump in as well because I think with romantic partners, sometimes it, the dynamics yeah. are different from friendships. Would you handle it
2: differently? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Perfect.
2: Yeah. I think, um, I think, I mean, Cabin has, my boyfriend has helped me a lot in that area. Um, may you know this obviously tim knows i'm very like blunt straight to the point Mm -hmm. like i'm not gonna sugarcoat it i don't have time for it i'm too lazy to do it i'm gonna tell you you're doing this wrong here's how to fix it i could help you in this way and i think that in my relationship now he's definitely helped me understand my delivery is not always my message isn't getting across to the person or to him because my delivery is not catering to like his needs, his specific needs. How can I help him if I'm not taking the time to even respect how he needs to receive the information? If I'm just saying like you did X, Y, and Z wrong, fix it. That's not, he's not a blunt upfront person in the, in the same aspect that I am. He is in some regards, but not as you know aggressively as I am. So he's definitely taken the time to teach me just how to like deliver Mm -hmm. in a way that caters to him or his love language. So like, okay, let me tell you one time, but let me, instead of telling you it's wrong, let me be like, let me just offer you some solutions and some help instead Mm -hmm. of just straight out the gate being like, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. Let me be like, let me help you do this. Can I help you do that? Oh, let's try it this way.
1: It's very delicate and it depends on the person. So for me, um, and in my relationship, um, I feel like is, it's something that makes and breaks relationships. I feel like when people don't address their traumas um, and you spend so much time with a person in an intimate way, it only grows in its, um, I guess, effectiveness. And that's probably not a good thing. You You probably don't want your trauma to become more effective in its... I guess lashing out or whatever you want to call it. I tried my best and like I'm in a relationship now, and this is actually true for my relationship is that, um, I learn as much as I can about the person. i let them know as much as I can about myself. And, you know, I'm upfront about the things that I'm trying to work on. And i let that person know that, you know, I want the relationship to be about growth. Some people, would much rather hold on to their traumas than release them and try to grow, and it's been a, a interesting ride as far as far as my relationship goes. As Brent would probably know, in terms of getting over traumas for both me and my girlfriend, she's she's mm-hmm. come a extremely long way in releasing her traumas. I'd say there, she's had a lot more trauma than I have, and she's released and grown in a lot of aspects, but. Those conversations aren't always easy, and I've grown in a lot of aspects, and it's hard for me to grow, like I said, because I'm a person who, if you tell me, go left, I just, Mm -hmm. there's something there. It's just like, ah, but maybe I should go right. (laughs) So I've definitely had to tone tone it down myself and look inward a lot more. And I'm a person who looks inward a lot, but I've had to do it even more because when you're in an intimate relationship with someone, you're not just dealing with your trauma anymore. You're dealing with their trauma as well. Like if me and and Brynn are having a conversation and her trauma comes out and I don't like it, I go one way, she goes the other way and we, Mm -hmm. you know, meet again on a day when we're both feeling better. Mm -hmm. When you're with someone, it's not that easy of, of going, you know what, I don't like the way your trauma is acting right now. So I'm not gonna talk to you for a week. Um, I
2: think, too, It's it's it, it has to do with, like, my respect for you. Like, my yeah. respect for you as, as my partner, as right. the person that I'm in a relationship with, the person that I see myself spending my life with. Do I have enough respect for you to take a step back mm-hmm. from my typical approach and approach things in a manner which are going to help you? Right. Because if I'm only saying something because I just want to get it off my chest because what you're doing bugs me, but it's not going to help you because I'm not delivering it in the way that you need to hear it. That's not doing anything for you. I'm just doing, that's a selfish act. That's for me. Yeah. So it's a lot for me personally. It's a lot of like, do I have enough respect for you in order to deliver this in a way that you're actually going to take this and learn from it?
1: That's definitely difficult to do for most people, even in friendships, but especially in romantic relationships. Um, Because if that's your person, you feel like, you know, you shouldn't treat me a certain way or this, that, or the other. But like you said, we don't always have that ability to separate separate Mm -hmm. the two things. Like this is not personal. They're going through their thing and you have to help facilitate them through whatever that is so that they can Mm -hmm. treat you how you want to be treated.
0: (laughs) I guess like some of the uh, last questions I have is that what is what does love mean to you now? Um, And what's the biggest, biggest uh, like learning you've had in the most like recent year?
2: I think for me, so my boyfriend is an only child. And for some reason in my mind, I think that that has a lot of an effect on our relationship only because I grew up with a sibling. So I think that, I don't know why in my mind I'm convinced that that like means a lot or that it like has a a way and like how things play out. But I think that I've learned a lot, especially in the last year, probably even just during quarantine because we've spent so much more, we used to only see each other, you know, two days out of the week just on Saturday and Sunday. Now we're together majority of the week. I think that I've definitely learned a lot just about how he navigates certain situations and, I don't know why I'm convinced that him being an only child has something to do with it, but in my mind, it makes sense. I don't know if it truly does, but all the time I'm <laughs> like, it's because you're an only child. That's why you don't see it this way. It's because you're an only child. I don't know why, but I'm convinced. But I think that, um, I think both of us two together, like in our relationship, have just learned a lot more how to navigate certain situations that we've run into just during COVID. We are not the type to fight at all. We, I mean, we banter, but we banter as if we're like best friends, not really like romantic, Mm -hmm. you know, big arguments to where, Oh, I'm jealous. You did this. You did that. We're not those type of people. We just both are very too lazy for it. Honestly, like I'm not going to give my (laughs) effort to that. And neither is he. So we learned a lot how to navigate when those situations do come up, how do we navigate that Mm -hmm. and not just run away from it? And how do we, how do we respect that? And then as far as love to me now, I think it's just, like I said earlier, it's just being on an equal playing field. I think the caption that I had for his birthday on Instagram about, like, you know, the definition of a soulmate, like, a complete understanding, a total respect, like, my equal in every way, to me, that is love. I don't need, I don't need a dozen roses. I don't need, like, these acts of chauvary. I just need you to, like, just stand Beside me, I don't need you behind me. I e- eagle. No. <laughs> you know, my even level playing field, I just want like a teammate in some sort of sense, you know. Like, I just need you to be my friend, my best friend, and I'll feel your love. I and I think too, Tim can be a test of this before my boyfriend and I even said, like, out loud, Oh, I love you. I think we knew for a long time because I just felt that that love was there the way he took care of me not in an aspect of like feeding me or Mm -hmm. if I'm back when I drank if I'm drunk like putting me to sleep just I just felt always taken care of like my Mm -hmm. my energy and my time was never disrespected and I just felt that like love I feel like to me love is so much more of a feeling rather than specific acts to show me that you love me mm-hmm. you know i don't need any of that i just need to like feel that and if i don't feel it then we have an issue but i feel it each and every day he never lets you know it never wavers we're pretty steady a, a lot of my friends will be like how's how are you and K da da. da, da. <laughs> like do you guys fight during quarantine and i'm like we're the same as always steady <laughs> as a rock steadily growing but like we don't waver and so i think We go through the waves together, but we are still on, like, the same surfboard. And I feel like it's so effortless for us. Obviously, we put in effort because that's just, like, you know, the cherry on top. But I feel like our relationship is so effortless. Mm -hmm.
1: I think that love is when you do something with no strings attached. You want nothing in return. And those are the people who truly love you and that you truly love.
2: I think, I think that I knew that Tim loved his girlfriend maybe even before he knew it because I was around them a lot in the beginning of their relationship mm. and I saw that he allowed her to take care of him, which is, I mean, he doesn't allow that from anybody. He, Like he said in this conversation, he's definitely the caretaker and I saw the way that he just like kind of, sat back and allowed her to take care of him and that's when I realized like okay (laughs) Tim if you don't love her you should probably start (laughs) to love her because
1: (laughs) you don't do this with nobody for me that's an egoless act because um I think that sometimes we think of egoless egolessness in terms of what we do for others but for me part of my ego is not wanting people to take care of me or not letting people do things or not letting people in because mm-hmm. i don't need them i can do it myself you know
0: a discussion about boundaries i think we all put up boundaries and walls whether it's uh, fear or protective or uh what we've learned through other other people mm-hmm. yeah right and i love that you said but like it's just an instinct that you notice and that tim you kind of let your significant other do things that you had to take your ego aside and be like, okay, I I'll let someone else take care of me, or I'll let somebody else decide or help me with certain things uh-huh. that I may not need help on. But in all areas, we can always grow to be better.
2: He let her celebrate his birthday. <laughs> what and is this that guy? Was like, celebrate he guys. was allowing somebody <laughs> to celebrate his birthday. I it's don't just know. not
1: a big deal for us like it is for you know. So like for me, that was for I was, I was letting her like, do that because I know that that was going to make her happy because I didn't really need that. I mean, I don't think.
2: And we had a great it was a great
1: time. I, mean, I definitely <laughs> had fun, but you know, let I'm a bit of a more low key. You. you know, it's
2: showing you
0: love and celebrating the day you were born.
1: Right. So I had to take my. <laughs> and I think
2: Tim needs to be celebrated extra oh, because specifically in our friend group but i know in his other friend groups too he does so much for everybody so i'm always like tim please just allow us to celebrate you at least let us like, i don't need make i don't need it
1: i don't need it just just the love that i receive your you birthday is, is not I, about you i feel it <laughs> everyone's like what do you want to do i'm like nothing they're like bro you can't not want to do something i'm like i just just let them love you okay, you know so just let them show
0: you them? their appreciation
1: I always end up <laughs> spending money on everyone else on my birthday, so that I can show. Oh my
2: god! Always, he'll be like, "Let me buy everybody." So that chat. I can show like, them like, no, Tim, appreciation. But for
1: me, that's me showing love to the people around me and so it goes thanking them play. for being there to celebrate.
2: Ken's the type of person to thank people for thanking him. Yeah. If you're like, thank you, Tim, he's like, no, thank you for thanking
1: me. I mean, because they didn't have to thank you. I'm just saying. <laughs> thanks for thinking about It's
2: me. not about me, Tim. It's about you. Let us love okay. you.
1: That's something I need to get better at. You see, that's that stubbornness. That's me not Hey, wanting we're to all a
2: work in progress, right? I think but we've I'm all gonna, come I'm a long
1: way. I'm growing.
0: We're not perfect lovers and we're not perfect at giving and receiving right. love or, or, you know.
1: Exactly. Okay, just last trying. question. Do we're you guys believe in best.
0: soulmates, fate, and love at
2: first sight? I don't know about love at first sight. Oh, it's just stopped. Okay. I don't know about love at first sight, but soulmates for sure. I think. I mean, once again, me and Tim talking about our friendship. Mm -hmm. Tim and I all the time are like, "You're my twin soul." Like, I think that we just operate on a different like frequency or something. But like, Tim, oh, it's back. Oh, it's gone. Tim 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 to me is like a soulmate friend. As far as like love at first sight, I don't know. I mean, I think that when you I feel like I personally am a really good judge of character and I can read people pretty easily from the first time that I meet someone. Um, Especially like if someone's trying to be a manipulator, I feel like I can read that Mm. extremely well because I'm very capable of being manipulative. So I think that I see those traits in people. So I think when I first meet someone, I'm able to tell if they're going to be in my life for a long time or not, but I'm, I don't know if I would call it, you know, you'll be around for a good amount of time, whatever the relationship is i know that you'll be in my life
1: yeah that's always an interesting interesting one for me i go back and forth because i definitely do believe that soulmates exist like brent said and i don't think that the definition of mm-hmm. a soulmate always means a romantic soulmate um so like she said i think that i have a lot of friends who are my soulmates people who we just connect you know like it, it's easy it's effortless as far as romantically i think they exist also um but i think that they're harder to spot initially mm-hmm. because of the attraction mm-hmm. factor cloud you know physical attraction can sometimes lust right can cloud whether or not this person their mm-hmm. soul is meant to mate with yours you know so, um,
2: exactly. yeah, I feel like it's
1: easier to sense love at first sight with friendships because there's not that added,
0: yeah,
1: um, complexity of, yeah. you know,
0: expectations are different and for friends, versus and right. Children
2: with you, Y and Z, yes, well,
0: exactly. This, was, this whole yeah. conversation, for I felt sure. personally great vibes, great frequency. So, I'm very like blessed that you two could join this conversation today. I love where it took us and thank you two for being on the podcast.